0: The following episode of Talking Through Traffic contains major spoilers in detail about the Broadway musical Next to Normal, as well as excerpts and selections of songs from the soundtrack, which are being played and used in this episode under the Fair Use Doctrine. In no way do I claim any responsibility or copyright over any of the songs Played in this song, in this episode. I intend to play them only for educational and descriptive purposes. Thank you. Hello, this is episode six of Talking Through Traffic. My name is Kevin Schofield. Before we get into the episode proper, I want to read off today's special sponsor for the episode. Our sponsor for today is Very Good Building Company. Call Very Good Building Company for all your construction needs. Or don't, we are not beggars. And that's it. Hello and welcome to Talking Through Traffic. I am Kevin Schofield. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode. First off, uh, yes, uh, this is being released on a Monday. I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon. Um, uh, Episodes will now, they have been coming out on Wednesdays, but I decided Wednesdays are just too difficult for me to record. Uh, um, My day off is Sunday. Uh so uh what I've been doing is recording when I get back from work on Tuesday night, Tuesday nights, which is fairly late, and uh recording and then getting to you know the business of closing down the day and uh it's just becoming too much. So basically what I'm gonna do uh from now on is record on Sundays. I work Monday through Saturday uh as a behavioral therapist. I have two to three sessions Monday through Saturday, so um Sundays I can really devote to making better full episodes. So uh, the release date now, I will be releasing them every Monday, uh, starting with this one. And this one especially I needed to do on a Sunday uh, because there's a lot uh, going on. Uh, I wanted to talk about depictions of mental illness in the theater in probably one of my favorite musicals of all time, next to normal. Um, I'll get into more detail in a second, but um, I will be, and I I said this at the beginning, so you have been warned, but uh, I will basically be going over the production of the show, um, a basic synopsis, and uh, the synopsis will be pretty more detailed than a, than just a skim. Uh, I will go into detail uh, because it really, for me, there's so much to love about this musical. And, um, and I will be playing a few excerpts from the songs uh, that are my favorites or that I feel are uh, particularly good. Um, last time I checked, these are all available on Uh, for free, or not for free, I guess, but uh, on Spotify. Uh, I have uh, the special Spotify Plus, so I can listen to it anywhere, but um, I also own the album on iTunes, so I highly suggest, if you like it, listen to it on, you know, they probably have all the songs on YouTube. Uh, Like I said, it's on Spotify, and if you really enjoy it, buy the album. It is a... Not completely sung through, complete uh, musical, uh, but it's similar. Uh, it's very close. It's it, it's very similar to the likes of Rent and Hamilton, uh, where there are only a few moments of talking and, uh, you know, in-between-song scenes. Uh, most of the scenes are in song, and so you can really listen to the entire album and kind of get the whole story. There's a lot, there are a few key parts missing. Um, I'll get to one of them uh, when we get there, but um, uh, so anyway, uh, let's get into the musical. Um, And then after, well, actually once, once I'm done talking about the musical, uh, I'll end on some final thoughts. Just my experience with the play, uh, its impact on my life and, uh, and, and then that'll be the episode. So let's get straight into it. Uh, the musical next to normal was, uh, began, uh, and this is all coming from Wikipedia, our foundation of knowledge. So, uh, if there's any, uh, uh, mistakes here, uh, that's probably the reason, uh, but I'm trusting it's all up to date. Cause who would lie about all this stuff? Uh, the musical next to normal began in 1998, is a 10-minute workshop sketch about a woman undergoing electroshock therapy and its impact on her family called Feeling Electric. Uh, the music uh, is by Tom Kitt, and the lyrics and book is by Brian Yorkie And uh, Yorkie and Kitt, uh, basically, Yorkey basically brought the idea to Tom Kitt well, they were both at the BMI Lehman Engel Musical Theater Workshop. Um and they wrote it as and, and Kit wrote it as a rock score for the short piece. And that kind of continued to the main thing. The main, it's a, it is a rock musical. It's a rock opera, really. Um Uh eventually they had they expanded it to a full-length uh musical. They had a reading in 2002. Uh in Washington and then several venues in New York City with a cast that included uh, Norbert Leo Butts, a uh, very famous uh, Broadway actor, if you don't know him, uh, probably his most famous and well-known part was as the original Fierro uh, uh in Wicked. Um he's also been in a ton of other stuff, uh but he played uh Dan the father, the of this family. Um that's the main uh, subject of the musical. Uh, anyway, uh, they continued doing workshops and all that. And in 2005, it was workshop again at the village theater. And, uh, in two, September of 2005, the musical ran at the New York musical theater festival. And then eventually, uh, the, it attracted the attention of producer David Stone uh, second stage theater then workshopped a piece in both 2006 and 2007, featuring uh, some actors including Alice Ripley as Diana, the main character. She would go on to star in the show when it went to uh, when it uh, was off Broadway and went to Broadway, and I believe she did over 700 performances of it. Um, she's amazing. Uh, she ended up winning a, a Tony for it, but we'll get into that later. Um, they got, um, the great Michael Greif, I hope I'm saying that correctly, to direct the musical. If you don't know Michael Greif, um, he is the man who's responsible for the direct, uh, for the directing of Rent. Uh, he was the original director brought on board when it was off Broadway and then shepherded it when it came to Broadway. Uh, he worked with the producers and with uh, uh, Jonathan Larson on bringing Rent to life. So that's really where he made his name known. He's a very good director. He has a really good long list of uh, uh, of work under his belt. And so they got him to join the team, and they basically focused the show on being a, a more of a family drama. Uh, rather than a critique of the medical establishment, it it kind of gets into that, but you know it it's. We'll 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 get into that later. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the two thousand nine Tony Awards. Uh, it was nominated for eleven Tonys, including Best Musical. It lost Best Musical to Billy Elliot the Musical. Oh, everyone's favorite Billy Elliot. Uh That's not a slam on Billy Elliot the musical. I've seen it. It's pretty good, but in no way would I even consider it near next to normals uh status or or uh quality. Uh it did win best for best original score, very well deserved, best orchestration. And it was nominated for three actor awards, but it only won for Best Performance by a Leading Actress that went to Alice Ripley, who's the main matriarch and kind of the main character in the story. And it made a lot of noise in 2010 when Next to Normal won the Pulitzer Prize for drama. Uh, Now, it made—this was very very impactful at the time because, one— it was only the eighth musical in the history of the prize to win it was the only the last musical to win the pulitzer prize was rent in 1996 but more importantly it won the pulitzer prize despite not being nominated for it uh, there were three i believe three straight plays one of them being a very good play it was one of my favorites called uh, in the next room or the vibrator play it was nominated for the pulitzer prize and yes, it's exactly what you th- you think. It's uh, that play is about the history, uh, the very real history of the development of the vibrator, and its use uh, on uh, women's mania. Uh, also has to do with uh, mental health in in a certain way. Um, it's not as heavy as this one, but anyway, a lot of people criticized them for going and nomin and giving the award to this one um, when it wasn't nominated and the people who do the nominating process, the, you know, um, felt that it was catering to big budget musicals, the big budget musical, as opposed to giving it to the one that is artistically the best. Um, I have not read the other three musicals, (laughs) but, uh, and i and i do agree that's that's very shady and uh that's the reason why it won it really shouldn't have won uh but having seen the musical and lived with the musical for so long i i really think it i think it's pulitzer prize worthy um and i i have no problem with it winning in the matter that it won um Sure, I mean, but, I mean, in the artistic world, awards really, for me, don't really matter. Um, they're more kind of, it's the it's the cherry on top, you know? <laughs> uh, just being in the conversation, for me, means that you've created something that's really incredible. Um, now, before I get into the uh, main meat of this episode which is the synopsis of the story. Uh, I will give a short little intro as to the depictions of mental illness and and the relevance uh, inside the story. Now, the story follows the struggle of one woman. Uh, her name is Diana. Uh, Diana Goodman. They're the Goodman family. With uh, mental illness and the effect of the illness on her whole family. Um, in, the sec- in the second act, these eff- effects... Are at times diminished and other times exacerbated by the fact that Diana also f- suffers memory loss from electroconvulsive therapy (ECT). Now, uh, in the beginning of the play, she she has is diagnosed essentially with uh, bipolar depressive disorder. Very heavy, a very difficult and uh, uh, very tough disease. Um, and basically follows her treatments or lack of treatments and trying to deal with that. In the show, the uh, Diana's doctor describes her as a bipolar depressive with delusional episodes. However, the most recent edition of the DSM, which is the American Psychiatric Association's Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, this is basically basically the guidebook for how the American Psychiatric Association chooses to define mental illnesses as well as addictions and drugs, what you can legally, uh, according to them, be addicted to um, and such. Um, uh, the DSM would now diagnose Diana as instead of bipolar depressive with delusional episodes they would diagnose Diana as bipolar with psych with psychotic features referring to she has hallucinations in the um in the musical there's a lot of hallucinations very vivid ones uh the disorder now is separated into uh two types of bipolar which make it difficult to diagnose and uh often goes undetected and misdiagnosed therefore leaving the illness inadequately treated and in the musical they didn't really go into very detail about it um from what i know about the production i believe they saw uh a a documentary like a dateline piece the the writers on um uh, mental illness uh treatment and all that and and they were inspired to to write the story, um, so uh, the the regards of the treatment. There's a big thing in it about all the pills that she has to take, and and all of the uh, and the electric shock therapy that she, or electroconvulsive therapy rather um, that she undergoes, and the effect of that, and loss of memory and. Um. So, the basically it does a very good d- depiction of the treatment, basically. Um, of ECT, it is still used. A lot of people have this kind of image in their head when they hear ECT that it's some dangerous, you know, thing that it's like you know you've seen it in movies. You've seen it in one flew over the cuckoo's nest where they just fry your brain, you you turn into, like, a hollow shell. But the, the, the reality is that's not what happens. Uh, it's very safe, it's very effective when used correctly. Um, it is a gamble sometimes, because you can't always be sure how the brain will react afterwards, if it will continue to heal, or if there will be some backslides and whatnot. Um, so... Um, basically it, it 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 has and also it only explores a certain type of psychological therapy it doesn't um really delve into uh various forms of psychology the the uh the main focus is on psychotherapy, which is a particular form of therapy where it's the one everyone knows about where patients talk to psychologists and aim to work through their psychological uh, component of their disease through conversations and talking and guided meditation and and uh hypnosis and things like that, and then has the e c t there's also other forms of uh a therapy there's behavioral therapy which I do, which mostly people use for um, uh is more popularly known as a therapy for people with autism and things like that. But it can also be used for things like anxiety and other forms like that. and um, So there are are other forms of therapy. It doesn't really explore that. It kind of just has her go with the more popular psychotherapy. Um, And uh, there's a lot of drugs being used and different kind of drugs and functioning them in and out. Which seems like, yes, that is a big criticism and... But the sad reality is a lot of a lot a lot of patients when they get these drugs, there are basically four classes of drugs for uh mental illness, and some people are immune to those classes of drugs, and so often, if you are what a psychologist will do is based on your symptoms and what they see from you, they will recommend certain. They will start you off on small, not very strong dosed um, drugs and basically work their way up and then if it if it if the strength of it, if they go to the maximum strength and the drug still isn't working, then they'll switch to a different one because unfortunately that's the only way we can tell if you're immune to a certain type of drug, and sometimes you need multiple drugs to combat different symptoms or to in combination deal with certain things. Um, it is not an exact science, but it is a science. And, uh, unfortunately we haven't progressed to the point to where we can just magically know right away, which pill is going to work best. And there are a small section of people where no medicine will work. Uh, in that case, you have to go with more older forms of therapy. Um, and, uh, and other things like that. So, um, as much as it criticizes it and it it, it kind of come off in the, in the play as anti psychotherapy, anti science, but I think it does a very good job of depicting it. Um, it also is very specific to this person and this family and this, and what they're going through. So, uh, and for me, the drama is more enjoyable when you focus more on the pain of the family. Like like in their in their production, when Michael Greif came in, the director and focused it on the family's pain rather than on a critique of medicine. It becomes more relatable because we all have pain and we all have uh, deal with that and. You know it's very dangerous, I believe, to criticize psychotherapy and the and the medical industry um, when you don't really know how that industry works or how how the science works because you could encourage you can end up encouraging people not to seek the the experts that they need to seek and not heeding their advice when that is what is best for them to heed the advice of people who are experts in this. And they have the science to back it up and they have the experience of treating people to back it up. Um, and some people, and that can aid people not coming forward and not, um, uh, heeding the correct advice and all that. So, uh, I just kind of wanted to put that out there. I know some people might listen to it and think, Oh, this is anti-science. This is anti-psychotherapy, um, you know, anti-medicine. And it for me, it's not that at all. Uh, it go- it goes beyond that to a more global. How do we deal with pain? How do we move on uh, from pain? Is it best to ignore it? Is is it? You know, do we dwell in it? In which point? What t- At what point do you move on? Do you move on right away? Do you, you know, and all of the, when someone's dealing with a mental illness, how, how does it affect everyone else around them? How does it affect them? But also what's the cost of the family too? Um, so without further ado, I'm going to get into the musical. I'll start with, uh, act one. I'll start at the beginning and go my way through. So spoilers, once again, if you don't want to know anything whatsoever, Uh, please stop and fast forward to the end uh, or just stop, go listen to the musical or go see the musical if you can Um, or read the script if it's available online, I don't know, Um, and then come back to it. Uh, But I I will say this, it it is very enjoyable even if you know all the details (laughs) because seeing them happen in front of you is so impactful, especially with this when – The music is hitting you live, and the actors are there live, and you're seeing it happen in front of you. You can't help but be invested in it, even if you know what's going to happen. Uh, So anyway, let me start from the top. Uh, So like I said, it's about the the Goodman family. Uh, The focus is the mother, Diana Goodman, and she waits up late for her curfew-challenged son, whose name isn't really said at this point and attempts to comfort her anxious and overachieving daughter Natalie so she's got a son who's late and kind of lazy and Natalie is her daughter her younger daughter who's very anxious and is very into go 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 you know straight a student and it's the morning and uh their son uh returns and Dan and is the husband, is Diana's husband, Dan, and he's very... He's very up, and very perky, and very, like, everything's gonna be good. Uh That actually is a line from one of his later songs. He literally sings, it's gonna be good, it's gonna be great, you know, and uh it's gonna be good, 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 you know, are lines that he sings. Um... Anyway, they try to prepare for another day, and that's the beginning song. It's called Just Another Day. It's basically them just getting their lives in order. And everything appears normal until Dan and Natalie realize uh the sandwiches Diana is making are covering every surface of the kitchen. Uh Dan helps the disoriented Diana. Uh the kids hurry off to school. Natalie escapes to the and Natalie then takes over the play. Uh, it shifts to she's at school. Uh, So already we have this kind of, everything seems normal, everything seems okay, but Diana, our main character, she is making too many sandwiches. All right, that, that's a little odd. And so anyway, they, they try to kind of get things going, like calm everything down, but they're also in a hurry, and it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal. Uh, So they keep moving, and... We meet Natalie at school. She's playing piano, and she has a song, Everything Else, which is to the tune of a uh, Mozart song, uh, which is a very well-written song to that tune. And basically, she sings about um, why she's an overachiever. She sings that, like, Mozart was crazy, and... But you don't hear that in his music, his music is clean, it's perfect, it's all according to the, you know, to the plan, and it's, you don't hear any of his worries, or his doubts, or his fears, you just hear the beauty of his music, and that's what she's focusing on, she hates her family life, she hates her home life, she wants to leave as soon as possible, which is why she's overachieving, because all she can look forward to is graduating early, And then leaving for college and never looking back. Uh, So already you know that something's up with her and her parents and her home life. And it has been for a while. Because she's been thinking about this for a long time. Anyway, her song, she's interrupted by Henry, who's a classmate who likes listening to her play. He's very interested in her. uh, But she's kind of not so interested to him. Um, And then there's some time kind of goes by and uh Dana makes a series of visits to her doctor, and this is where we first learn that she is bipolar depressive and uh uh Dan is waiting out in the car for her while trying to cope with his own depression of you know having to always take his wife to see a doctor to, about her bipolarism and It's all in a great song, and the first song I'm gonna play for you. Um, it kind of bounces back and forth between Diana inside with her doctor and her doctor is very kind of standoffish, very distant. He's just asking her questions and asking about side effects and recommending pills. And, um, and she's throwing all this, asking all these deep questions and he's very like, well, 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 yeah, but what's your side effects? And he's, he's not a very connective doctor. um, And you can tell that she's not really liking the treatment she's getting from him. Um, He keeps recommending different medications, and that's about it. Uh, Her doctor continually adjusts her medications with various side effects until at the end, and there are various funny moments where she's like, um, she's gaining weight, and uh, you know. Uh, she's tired and all that. And she, and then she says, fortunately, I have no desire for sex though, whether that's the marriage or the side effect is who is anyone's guess. And the doctor says, I'm sure it's just a side effect. Uh, so already, you know, okay. So their relationship isn't very good, uh, with her husband. It's very, and you could tell that from his singing, um, and the song is called "Who's crazy slash my psychopharmacologist and i and there's a and the part i'm gonna play for you features a cool musical callback to uh a very famous musical and when you i he- i'm not even gonna spoil it for you. I'm just gonna let you hear it and it's uh, when you hear it, it's just so funny and so enjoyable. Uh, so, anyway, this one is Who's Crazy? My Psychopharmacologist and I. Goodman, Diana, bipolar depressive with delusional episodes. 16 year history of medication. Adjustment after one week. I've got less anxiety, but I have headaches. Blurry vision, I can't feel my toes. So, try again, and eventually we'll get it right. Not a very exact science, is it? So what and axon, anus, war, and xanax? Tempacote, one of and the end of them calls me when I see the bills. These are a few of my favorite bills. Oh, thank you, doctor. Valium is my favorite color. How'd you know? All right, so that was My Psychopharmacologist and I, uh, Who's Crazy. Um, Obviously a riff on the uh, My Favorite Things song from uh, uh, Sound of Music. Uh, That one I wanted to play, but there's a part at the beginning of the song, and I'll just read this part for you, uh, where Dan starts the song. Dan, the husband. He's out in his car waiting for Diana to finish her appointment, and he's singing, and he starts with the song... Who's crazy, the husband or wife, who's crazy, to live their whole life believing that somehow things aren't as bizarre as they are? Who's crazy, the one who can't cope, or maybe the one who will still hope, the one who sees doctors, or the one who just waits in the car? And I was a wild 25, and I loved a wife so alive, but now I believe I would settle for one who can drive. And that just really gets me. Um, You know, I mean, there's so much there without being so much there. Um, Anyway, uh, the play moves on after that. Um, So the psychopharmacologist declares her stable, even though uh, she says at the end, like, I kind of feel nothing. And he's like, hmm, patient stable. Um, anyway, uh, the play continues. Natalie, their daughter, and Henry, the boy who was listening to her earlier, uh, they grow closer until one day he is professing his love for her in a song called Perfect For You. Uh, and he sings for her, and he basically goes on about how fucked up the world is. You know, the environment's fucked up beyond all control, and you know there's so much stuff wrong and all that and but he says i don't know how to change all that's fucked up but the one thing i know i can do is i can be perfect for you and that kind of wins her over and they kiss for the first time uh back at home diana is witnessing this And worries that her best years are behind her. And her son shows up, who, remember in the beginning, was kind of curfew-challenged, is how they describe him here. Um, Very lazy and kind of late, but it seems like they have a really close connection from their first conversations. Um, And he encourages her to not do her medication, basically. And in the song, I Miss the Mountains, she talks about all the things she misses in her life. And she feels like she's missing it. And through the encouragement of her son, throws it down the drain as she's singing. Um, And then the play continues a few weeks later, and Dan is looking forward to a dinner with his family. The song is called It's Gonna Be Good, and he's saying... The sex is amazing <laughs> between them, apparently. Um uh, they don't stay up very late. Uh she seems happy. He's very happy. Um, and his daughter is uh Natalie is showing up to dinner with this guy Henry. And uh he happily recounts how Diana has been in the song, uh has been energetic in a great mood, and um and basically invites Henry to stay Uh, Natalie doesn't want him to stay because she's like, my family's crazy. I don't want to scare him off. Um, But Dan insists that he stay and they and Diana's preparing dinner and everyone's in a great mood. And then she comes out of the kitchen with a happy birthday uh, cake for their son at the table. And when Henry is like, whose birthday is it? And she's like, oh, it's our son's birthday. All of a sudden, everything stops. Dan and Natalie are just destroyed. Dan quietly comforts her and reminds her that their son died 16 years ago when he was an infant. And that's in the song, He's Not Here. It's on the album. It's very tender. There's a break in there. You don't get to hear the... the, Seeing it happen, because you don't get to hear it on the album. But seeing it happen, seeing everything, it seems like, okay, this is kind of a screwed up family. I kind of get it. But then you realize it's actually just a story. It's actually a three-person family. This uh, and the son, by the way, is shown as a teenager. It's played by, you know, an actor who's supposed to be in the teenager range, or at least look that way. Um, And so you think like, oh, yeah, he's the older son kind of outshining the daughter because he seems to be getting all the attention from the mom. And Natalie seems to be very upset about home. And now you realize why. It all kind of makes sense. The very twisted way. Um, basically Henry and Natalie go off and Dan stays to talk with Diana and reminds her that, you know, it's all gone and everything's going to be okay and mentions a return to the doctor, but Diana refuses saying that Dan can't possibly hurt the way she does. Uh, and she goes into her song, you don't know. And basically yells at him saying, you don't know this pain. Okay, for some reason, we lost our son 16 years ago when he was just, I believe he was 18 months old. Um, and for some reason, you never dealt with it the way I dealt with it. So you can't tell me that this pain will go away. Because I've never seen you deal with it. And Dan responds in a song trying to coax her into trusting him, while at the same time, their son, who now we know is just a figment of her imagination, she he shows back up, because he, he disappears at some point, uh, once this is all revealed, and he comes in and he starts singing, trying to convince his mother to listen to him instead, saying that, listen to me, not your dad, not dad. And the song is called "I'm the One," um, and that is actually the other thing. At the beginning of the musical, the son seems to be avoiding the dad, and and the mother seems kind of like, yeah, just avoid your dad. Don't worry. Like, so you think like, oh, dad kind of has it in for the son. And then when you th- when you know it that he is a figment of her imagination, you go back to that scene. It kind of makes sense when he is encouraging her to throw her medication away. It makes even more sense you realize it's just her. there's no son um and the song of the husband who is there and the son who is in her mind, battling each other for the trust and love of this woman who is torn is so beautiful and so amazing uh i'm just gonna play you a part of the song. It is so good and and the refrain comes back later in my favorite song in the musical uh so let me just leave you so let me let me play you this song and uh we'll keep going. Can you tell me? Tell me why I'm afraid it's me. Can I touch you? You've been fine for so long now. How could something go wrong that I So that was, I am the one, um, the voice you saw, you heard in the, in the second half of the song coming in, uh, who started singing with, uh, Hey dad, it's me. That's the son. Um, anyway, after the song is over, basically the mother just, uh, embraces her son at the end of the song. Uh, and then it shifts to Natalie just upstairs, who's venting her anger to Henry, and then Diana shows up trying to offer a heartfelt apology as uh, her, the ghost of her brother watches and taunts her uh, in the song Superboy and the Invisible Girl. It's a very beautiful song. Um, it, it is so amazing. And it is her talking about how she is basically overshadowed by the ghost of her dead older brother in every way possible he can do nothing wrong because he is a ghost he never got to be a person so he is perfect in their mind in in the minds of her of her mom his her dad is oblivious because he's just trying to make everything okay and she goes invisible and her whole life she is just kind of a secondary issue um, the play moves on. It's a few days later. Diana starts working with uh, Doctor Madden, who they describe as a uh, kind of a rock star uh, of the uh, doctor world. And in fact, when she meets him, there's some cool things there. Uh, you can only get uh, when you see the play. Uh, her son tries to assert his presence in her life and sings a song. I am Al- I'm alive. And I'm Alive is such a good song. And he sings in there, you know, because the whole time you're kind of like, okay, he's a figment of Diana's imagination. He is the representation of her guilt and her grief, uh, undealt with, built up in her mind, and this mental illness is kind of taking its toll. Um, And he has a few lines where he talks about like, you know... I could be a ghost, I could be a vision. Um, you know, I could be any of those things and I am all of those things. The point is I'm alive and you you can't get rid of me. Um, uh, he he has a line that's very very good at the end of the song that is very telling and very to me kind of the point of the play. He says, um, he says, I'm alive. I'm right behind you. You say, forget, but I'll remind you. You can try to hide, but you know that I will find you. Cause if you won't grieve me, you won't leave me behind. That's kind of says everything in my mind. Um, Anyway, on with the story. Dan and Natalie are doubting whether or not the sessions are helping. There's an argument. Natalie starts begins experimenting with her mom's old drugs. So she starts getting on drugs um, to deal with it. Uh, the doctor tries hypnosis on Diana to get to the root of her uh issues. Uh and in the so- and this all comes up in the song Make Up Your Mind, Catch Me, I'm Falling. It's a very amazing song. Uh, the therapy is emotionally draining and Dan is worrying if it's too much on her. Um, if it's actually helping or making things worse or, uh, and uh, Natalie, you know, she basically bombs her important piano recital that at the beginning of the musical, she was all focused on, but because she's gotten into drugs, she's kind of, she kind of doesn't care. And, um, You know, she bombs it because her mom's not there. And finally, Diana agrees that it's time to let her son go. That she needs to just let the memory of him die. And she goes home to clean out her son's things, stopping to listen to a music box. And the song, I Dreamed to Dance, comes on. And she sings about her son never getting to see him go off to his prom, never getting to dance with him at his wedding. And he dances with her. He shows up, and at the end of the song, he sings a song, There's a World, where he basically invites her to come with him, where everything will be okay. And at the end of the song, the doctor comes on and reveals that she attempted suicide and is now hospitalized. At the hospital, Diana is sedated and restricted with self-inflicted gashes to her wrists. Dr. Madden uh, explains to Dan that ECT is the standard course of treatment for drug-resistant patients who are at high risk of suicide. So in there, they kind of hint at, like, okay, the medicine, she's resistant to the medication. There's literally not much medication we can give her that's going to work um and because she's a high risk of suicide ECT is the only thing that's it's clean it's it's healthy and you got to think about it and so dan goes home to clean up after diana and and avoids and barely avoids breaking down in the song i've been um the next day the doctor proposes the treatment to diana she gets really angry comparing it to the lobotomies from Uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, once again, not clearly understanding the meaning of it. Uh, the song is called, didn't I see this movie, uh, where it directly references that movie. Um, uh, Dan shows up and he manages to convince her that it might be their last hope, uh, in the song, a light in the dark. And that ends part one or act one rather, uh, Act 2, going right ahead. Diana basically gets the ECT. We kind of don't see it. It's just been a few weeks after. Uh, Meanwhile, Natalie is exploring clubs and drugs and seemingly sharing a hallucination with her mother in the song uh, Wish I Were Here. Diana returns home from the hospital, but she's lost 19 years of her memory in Song of Forgetting. She... Doesn't know much, um, and so they're kind of faced with that. And the doctor says they'll come back in time, but kind of slowly introdu- reintroduce her the things about her memory. It'll start; she'll start slowly remembering, remembering, and then eventually she'll get her memory back. But the painful memories will probably be gone, and you can eventually talk to her about it. But the pain of those memories will be gone. And it'll be just a memory she knows of rather than a memory she emotionally remembers. Um, At school, Henry confronts Natalie about her avoiding him and invites her to the spring formal dance in the song, Hey, Number One. Um, She's kind of going down a road. Um, Back at the house, uh, Dan and Diana visit the doctor who assures them some memory loss is normal in this song, Seconds and Years, and encourages Dan to use photos, like I said, mem- mementos, things to help him her recover his memory. And so they do so in the song, Better Than Before. And he tries to show her pictures and all that, and basically tells her half-truths about the memories. But Natalie's there at the same time, telling her the reality. Like, Dan's saying, like, hey, here's a picture of all of us, and we're all really happy, and... You know, and then Natalie's like, yeah, but after, but after we took this picture, mom went crazy and we had to get kicked out because she started throwing things and, you know, and it was really stressful. We all yelled at each other. And Dan is like, no, I want to give her her memories back, but I want to give her the memories the way I remember them. I want to give her happy memories. And Natalie's like, that's ridiculous. This is dumb. And so obviously she's acting out, um. And then her son appears. We haven't seen him since the first act. And he finally shows up again. And and in the song Aftershocks. Uh, while Diana tells... Uh, he's unseen in that song. And talks about like... Um, you know, that... They got rid of you. And they got rid of him from her memory and all that. and And... He she might have wanted to keep some memories, but who can ever tell and all that. And Dan is there, um, and she and there's something she's desperate to remember that she just can't get to, and he's worried. Um, Henry arrives looking for Natalie. Uh, Diana tries to remember who she he is, um, and he reminds her of someone, but she can't really tell. Uh, Henry just hurries up to Natalie's room and convince uh, to try to convince her to join him for the dance in the song Hey number 2. Uh Diana returns to Dr. Madden's office in the song You Don't Know Reprise and asks, and he the doctor asks about like cuz she's talking about like how she just can't f- make everything fit together. And something's missing, and she just can't figure it out, and it's driving her nuts. And she's angry, and, and everything. it feels like everything's worse. And he reveals, like, and he basically asks her, like, have they talked to you about your son? Not knowing that Dennis purposely avoid mentioning him at all. And then that immediately, and he suggests that she further explore history and talk to her husband about it. She goes home and they she goes through boxes of keepsakes finding the music box Dan sees her tries to stop her and then it all comes rushing back to her she remembers everything now and the song how could i ever forget she for the first time in this whole musical we hear them both sing about the loss of their child she he was a baby He was only 18 months old and he died Diana confessed that she remembered her son as a teenager And Dan also realizes in this song He more laments that it was the beginning of the end for their relationship You know, they may have been okay before then But, you know, it was at that point he kind of lost her And it was the beginning of all their troubles He tries to insist that everything will be fine And he's like, it's going to be good We're going to get more pills We're going to get more ECT It'll be fine, it'll be fine And she just keeps saying What was his name? And Dan refuses to say his name Uh, Henry uh, shows up to pick up Natalie Who's dressed for the dance uh, Just in time for them to witness uh, Her father grab the music box from Diana's hands And smash it to the floor uh, da- uh, Diana confronts Dan, wondering why he perseveres after so much trouble she's given. Uh, while upstairs, Henry uh, Natalie asks the same question to Henry, and this is the question: Why stay? And Dan and Henry both steadfast sing in the song a promise basically saying a a promise a boy may, and and I'll find the lyrics here. Let me look at them. I have my computer open. Um, So, but it's a very, very good song. Um, And it's very affecting to me anyway. Um, And there are many waiting here for it to upload. Excuse me for the, pause um anyway uh oh here we go uh, a promise a boy says forever a boy says whatever may come will come through and who can know how when all i know to be true is this promise that i made to you um basically like hey i made a promise to love you and to be by you and I'm not breaking that. That's why I'm staying. I don't care how tough it gets. And both Natalie and Diana are like, that's ridiculous. You should have left. Like, why do you... Why? Why are you here? You're just making things confusing. Meanwhile, both couples embrace. Uh, Diana and Dan's son appears again in the song I Am Alive. He sings a reprise. And Diana hears it, and she goes rushing to the doctor, and asks the doctor what can be done if the medicine won't work. She realizes that it's it's not her brain that's hurting, but her soul. In the song "The Break," um, the doctor assures her relapse is common; it's very common, and suggests more ECT. Diana refuses. Doctor, The doctor tries to urge her to continue her treatment because it's a chronic and deadly disease. Remember, she tried to kill herself. Uh, she thanks him, but leaves. Natalie is there. Apparently they came together, and they're waiting outside, and she's distressed to learn that her mother not only has stopped the treatment, but, you know, um, is probably going to leave. And it's a song, Maybe. And it's really, other than a small interlude and a few songs, the first song they have soloed together, where they sing to each other. And it's really good. It's called Maybe. And she's opening up to her daughter for the first time. And Natalie essentially is like, this is all great, but where has all this been for, like, my whole life? You know, like, too late. Uh, But then she also acknowledges that, like... You know, I always dreamed that you'd I'd one day wake up and you'd be gone out of my life. Because you've caused so much damage and chaos and pain to my life. But I'd always wake up fearful that you actually did. And so it's this kind of, I always wanted you gone, but now that you're actually probably going to leave, I'm terrified. It then cuts to... Henry is waiting uh, for the school dance. He's been waiting for a while, and this is "Hey Number 3 slash "Perfect for You" reprise. Natalie shows up and is like, "I might go crazy," like, uh, I, "I," and she talks about all the things her mom is and how he, she could one day end up like that, and why would Henry want to be like that, to be with someone like that. And he stops her for rambling and just says and reminds her, perfect for you. I could be perfect for you. It is such a beautiful song. Um, I'm not going to play this one. Uh, I'm saving my last song uh, for my favorite. But it is one that makes me cry a lot when I listen to it. It makes me think about my wife and how much I love her. And uh, if you've got a special someone in your life, listen to that song and try not to cry. I dare you. It's really, really amazing. Um, So that couple seems to be working out well. Diana, she shows up to to her home and basically tells Dan she has a bag and she says, I'm leaving. And explaining that he can't always be there to catch her. That he's lived his whole life just managing her. And she's like, I need to take a risk and try and deal with this on my own. I've tried it a certain way my whole life and it just hasn't worked. And I think I need to be on my own and try and deal with this. It's scary. It's risky. But for my own sense of health and also for this family that I love... I don't want to destroy it more than I already have. So I'm going to go. And then she does. And Dan is alone on stage. Except the son. The son has been watching this whole thing. The son watches Diana leave. And then he stares at his father, Dan. Now remember, son has always been in the mother's head. And... Dan, he starts singing, basically about wondering why, how she could leave him after all that he stood, he stood by her through everything. And like, how could you be leaving me now? And then the son approaches the dad and starts singing. The dad says, why are you still here? Why couldn't she just leave me alone? Why couldn't you go with her? And he's suddenly acknowledging the son that is a figment of Diana, supposedly anyway, of her imagination. And he's acknowledging it. It is so amazing. It is called I Am The One Reprise and it is my favorite song on the album. I'm going to play it in its entirety. Um, and... It is so amazing, and basically he becomes distraught until he finally looks at the boy in the face and calls him by his name for the first time. And for the first time in the play, we find out what the son's name was. Gabe. Gabriel. Play then comes to an end. Natalie shows up, sees her da- her dad alone in the dark in tears, and the ending song, Light, is sung uh it's a very positive song Uh, basically talks about how like the price of love is loss but we still pay and we still want the love so we we endure the pain and uh in in the play in the end song basically there's a montage that essentially occurs uh henry arrives to study with natalie uh natalie tells him that uh Diana's gone to stay with her own parents. And Dan goes to the doctor, hoping to talk about Diana, but offers him the name of another mental health worker. Uh, Diana appears on stage alone, but still hurting, but hopeful that she might be able to get her life on track. Um, Before we get to the final song that I want to play for you... um, I'll quickly sum up my history with this play. I first saw this musical, and it was the song... um, It was from the first act. It was... uh, I Am The One. It's You Don't Know, I Am The One. Basically, with them confronting each other for the first time. Uh, And they performed that section of or the husband and wife's confronting each other for the first time in the play um, after it's been revealed that their son is a figment of her imagination um, and that he died. Um, And they performed that, the company performed that at the Tony Awards. You can probably still find it online. Just put next to normal Tony Awards and that performance will probably show up. So I saw that and I didn't think much of it. I thought it was kind of, Interesting, but I didn't quite get it all. Uh, Carrie Fisher introduced it, which was pretty funny. Um, and then, if, like, a year later, at San Francisco State, they had this production uh, uh, organization on campus. It was a class called Brown Bag Theater. Basically, you signed up for the class, and for the cu- for course of the semester, the students there were directors and there was a play every week it was an hour and it was free and it was thursday and it was every wednesday thursday friday afternoons um and it basically was a chance for you to do your own theater and the plays were only an hour uh that way you if you had an hour between classes you could come see brown bag and then you know and then leave um and that year, someone got very ambitious and decided to do Next to Normal. And they had a very condensed version. Um, I thought it was a little strange. There uh, you know, things about it. But it really affected me. And then I started listening to the soundtrack. And it really affected me. Once I heard everything, it really got to me. And then I saw it live and in San Francisco and... It was one of the best theater moments of my life. Uh, I will never forget this musical. Um, You know, the big musical nowadays, when you talk about addressing mental health issues and, you know, things of that nature, is Dear Evan Hansen. But for me, the first... And it might not even be the first, but the first one to really appear in my life was Next to Normal. And... The... There are so many moments in this in this play that really hit home for me. But I am the one reprise at the end, after Diana has left, and Dan is alone with his son, uh, the image of his son, and you realize for the first time ever and and I think the entire play, yes, she's been he's been in her head. But it seems like he's always been in her head. In his head, too. Because there are so many moments like where he's singing specifically to him. Like in the original I Am The One that I played earlier. Um, he says, hey dad, it's me. And in that whole song that he sings, he's not singing to Diana. He's looking at her the whole time. And he says at the end, look at me. At her. But every other lyric is sung to his dad, talking about his dad and him not dealing with him. And as a son, as you know, my relationship with my father has grown and deepened over the years, as I myself am about to become a father, um, this song in particular really hits home for me. And uh, I'm going to play the whole song for you and I'll leave you with this and I'll encourage you all please if you've stuck around this long I know it's been an extra long episode please check out the musical get the soundtrack listen to the whole thing and if you see the musical anywhere if it's playing anywhere get tickets and go see it don't wait don't t- just go and do it you know don't look back trust me it will be worth it so, listen to this song, it's I Am The One, reprise, and um, I guarantee it'll hit home. Um, and even though you listen to it now, seeing it live, it'll hit you even more. Uh, when I saw this, I was crying uncontrollably. By the time this song ended, I, I had to hold on to, to my wife. I had to hold her hand because I was losing it, and i and I didn't want to just collapse from tears and and emotion. it was I was just so overwhelmed. I've never felt that way in any theater experience ever. That is the only time that made me feel that way. Um, I got close when I watched Hamilton in various parts, but never quite got to this level. Um, and I never addressed this, but let me say, there's a lot of California wildfires having right now, and a lot of people lost some lives, and and their livelihoods, their homes, and it's really terrible right now. So I, I just want to send this out. I hope you're safe. I hope your family and your loved ones are safe. Um, and... Uh, please, if you have a chance, dig deep into this musical. It is amazing. It will change your life. I heavily advocate for it. Uh, So once again, have a good day, have a good night, and have a good mental health. This is From Next to Normal by... by... Brian Yorkley and Tom Kitt, directed by Michael Greif. The song I Am The One... Reprise. Thank you and enjoy. I am the one who loved you. I am the one who stayed.